0: Learn more at marines.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again on a Thursday morning. I have to say again, because... As many of you know, if you're just stumbling onto this the first time, then this will be news to you. But uh, if you're one of those who likes to listen to the show regularly, yes, I was not able to do last week's episode. I want to very much thank Jeff Hartman and his special guest, Brian Anthony Davis, who covered for me last week. I was... I had some ideas from questions that I had from you all that I was going to be, um, I was in the process of preparing some things, going to record the the show. When I got the news that my father-in-law had passed away, uh, my wife obviously took it very, very hard and I needed to be there for her and not be distracted um, with having to look up stats or, or even try to sit here in front of a microphone and talk for 30 minutes um, after what, it, what my family had just gone through. So uh, we're still reeling a little bit, but I want to thank you all so much. There was a number of you that reached out on Twitter or reached out um, in the comments of, of some of the YouTube shows. I just want to thank you all so much. Um, you all are my Steelers family, and I really appreciate the support there. But I'm going to dive back into some stats now. Let's Let's get back to what we were doing. And I'm going to tell you, I took a little bit of a shift of what I was going to do um I'm not doing the same show I was going to do last Thursday simply because of some of the way things things panned out. Now there are some people that asked me some really good questions and I'm going to answer those questions. But I also got some other questions that I didn't want those questions to then not be relevant if I waited too long for them when some of the other questions they I could afford to to hold off for another week. So, if you ask me a stat geek question, I'm either A, going to answer the question, or B, let you know that I'm unable to, to do it. Um, either way, you will hear back from me if you don't hear it on the air. So I already have some questions lined up for next week, but you know what? That doesn't mean to not ask. Let me have them. STLR stlrsuperfandad is my Twitter handle or stlrsuperfandad at gmail.com is my email. I am looking for stat geek questions. If the well starts to run dry, I'll have to reach out even more. But for now, we're doing great. I love it. I I love the the levels of these questions. And I'm hoping today I have time to answer three. Um, One of them is a little bit more of of a brief explanation just for those of you out there so we can understand. So let's, let's dive into this a a little bit here. I've got to make sure I got my questions coming uh, from the right people. So this one actually was two questions. I'm going to, we're going to start off with one, and then we're going to, as long as there's time, um, answer another one um, after this one. And then of course, I, then I have a third one, of course, (laughs) because I like to answer as many questions as I can in the amount of time that I can. Unfortunately, I can't do it like Jeff Hartman because he goes through and just, you know, spouts off answers to, to quick questions and answers them all on a show. These, it takes preparation and it takes time to dive into. So we, uh... We answer less in order to say more, I guess is the way to say it. Speaking of Jeff Hartman, make sure you are checking out his uh, his Let's Ride podcast on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We've got Michael Beck on Tuesdays. We've got a great noon lineup of, of a number of shows there. I never miss uh, The Cutting Room Floor uh, with Jeffrey Benedict. That's one of those that, that I did every time. And of course, I've got to say this. I, I almost said it uh, to, to people when it happened but on on Saturday since I since I brought it up uh, Saturday was my father-in-laws funeral and it was um, a couple hours away just down the road from my brother's house so I got to go by see big brosco that was kind of nice but driving there uh, we had to take two separate vehicles my wife' has been staying up there to take care of some business so I'm driving and and the kids are doing their thing and um, I'd like time to listen to a podcast and on on my way there on a day that isn't full of a lot of smiles, isn't full of a lot of laughs. I was able to, to, to chuckle at what Yin's talking about. If you're looking for a, for a good, fun podcast, there you go. Make sure you, you hit that one. And then, of course, we have all our YouTube podcasts. And curtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Lots of things in the written word there. Lots of good stuff. If you want something to check out, uh, Wednesday I did an article of three... Reasons why Steelers fans should not. How did how did I say it? Should not. I was going to say count out. I don't think that's the words I actually used. Uh, what was it that? I, how did it was I say uh, that it was it was three reasons fans should not give up on Kendrick Green. That was the words I used. Don't give up on on Kendrick Green. So you can check that out or many of the other great podcasts that we have going on there. So let's dive into this question. This question comes from Jim Ski. This was at Jim Ski underscore way to seven on Twitter. And he reached out to me and I'm going to skip the first part because that's what we're going to answer later. Then he said, also, here's an idea for a show. Talk about the stats of the wide receivers, especially the drops from what I'm hearing. Everyone wants to get rid of Washington. Washington, but I feel statistically he's one of the better wide receivers. He he says, Jim says, trade Johnson for a second or third and keep Washington and Claypool. Now, if you're talking about why people are wanting to get rid of Washington, that's pretty simple. He's not under contract anymore. His rookie contract has expired. He has no ties to the Steelers. Now, granted, they're the only team that could sign him between now and the beginning of the legal tampering period on March 14th which is two days before the league year officially kicks off on March 16th. So that's one reason. That and the rumors that Washington wanted traded last year, a lot of Steelers fans just kind of understand that he might not be around anymore. He might want to move on and look for another opportunity. That's some of the reasoning behind it. But let's look at the stats, and I included drops. So this is what I did. I I only went back two years. The reason I only went back two years is because all – Top five of the Steelers' receivers were here for the last two years. That's the reason to look at it. So um, I looked at Don- Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Gigi Smith Schuster, James Washington, and I even threw in Ray Ray McLeod. And I broke down the number of games they played, uh, their receptions on their targets, their yards, their touchdowns, and then I threw in the drops because it was what Jim was asking about. So if you look at it this way, Deontay Johnson this past year, now, before I say the stats, I have to say these stats come from pro football reference. Um, drops is not an official NFL statistic. It is determined by some of these statistical outlets, whether it's pro football reference, pro football focus, different places go through, dissect, and then give out their statistics um that the NFL does not officially track. Now, the NFL doesn't officially track tackles, but I can tell you from someone who has access to the to the to the media statistics that they do that's one of those that they do track, they're just not official. Um but when it comes to things like drops or missed tackles, those are not official statistics either. So I have to tell you what source they're coming from because you might look it up and say, oh, someone had this many drops? Well, it says here that he had this many. Yeah, they are rarely the same on Pro Football Reference and Pro Football Focus. But I will go on and on. I know I report about the Pro Football Focus grades and everything else, and I I think that they put the time into their grades. I think they're terrible at doing stats. They're, they don't even count half sacks. I, there's one user that on our website that insists that PFF is the greatest thing ever, and he keeps quoting their stats, and he keeps saying that Chris Wormley had eight sacks last year. He didn't. He only had seven. PFF has him at eight because they don't even count a half a sack. If you you register a half a sack, they give you a full sack. They don't have T.J. Watt at 22 and a half sacks because they don't count half sacks, and they took two half sacks from Chris Wormley, counted each one as a whole. Therefore, they're like, oh, we had eight sacks last year. No, we had seven. He had seven that I can verify from the official statistics that we get from games. So that's why I don't trust the the PFF um, statistics is because the ones I can verify by the Steelers media account, that it's not just the Steelers. These are accounts that they have for each team. I don't have access to the Steelers one and that, that pro football reference, their numbers match those PFF. They don't, therefore I don't trust them. Even if they're not an official statistic, I still don't trust them. And they don't even get the official ones right. They can't even get sacks right, which there are official sacks, statistics. Then why would I trust them to do other ones? Anyway, I digress. Let's move on. I've probably gone on that rant before, but let's dive into this. So the drops are are courtesy of pro football reference. Deontay Johnson, 2021, 107 receptions on 169 targets, 1,161 yards, eight touchdowns, Five drops. Now I got to make sure some of these I got my numbers backwards just a little bit. I wanted to make sure that I didn't get my touchdowns backwards, that it was 20. Yeah, 2021, he had the eight touchdowns. I was writing these downs and flipping my years, um, as I went through, and I want to make sure I didn't flip that one because it was fairly close. Oh, and that was in 16 games. In 2020, he played 15 games and it was, um, Well, I almost read the long, 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 wrong line. 88 receptions from 144 targets, 923 yards, seven touchdowns, 13 drops. That was the one that really got people last year with the 13 drops. Now, also, I have to say that these are regular season statistics. So therefore, any drops that Deontay Johnson had in the playoff game, they're not going to be counted here. And his drops came at the end of the season. I know that... Uh, I did check that PFF had his drops at eight, but they also had two of them in the play- in the playoffs. So they had them at six rather than five this past year. But five out of those eight were in the last three games. So that's what a lot of people remember with Deontay Dr- Johnson. Did not have the drops as much this year as what uh, people believe. So in his two years, 31 games, had 195 receptions on 313 targets, 2,084 yards. That's... Um, That's a 6.65 yards per target, in case you're wondering. 15 total touchdowns and 18 drops. That drop percentage is a 5.8% over two years. He was a 3% drop percentage in 2021. And in 2020, he was at a 9%. But overall, uh, and drop percentage is is done by um, the number of drops versus the number of attempts. Or sorry, the number of targets. So that was Deontay Johnson's numbers. I've got to say, he is... If you were looking at all the yardage over the last two years, his his yardage for both years is higher than anyone else. Then for each season, no one else even had one season that was better than his lower one. So then next was Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, in 2021, 15 games, he, had a, he was 59 receptions on 105 targets, 860 yards, two touchdowns, five drops. That was a 4.8% uh, percent drop percentage. He had a higher drop percentage than Deontay John Johnson. In 2020, in his 16 games, he was 62 of 109, very close if you look at that, 59 receptions last year, 62 this year, of 873 yards. It's only, that was he only had 13 more yards the previous year and it was with one more game, but he had nine touchdowns, nine touchdowns, and he had six drops in his rookie season, which was a 5.5% drop rate. So Chase Claypool, both seasons had a higher drop rate than what Deontay Johnson had last year. In all, in 31 games, 31 games, just like Deontay Johnson, 121 receptions, 214 attempts, 1,733 yards. He has 8.10 yards uh, per per target um, with his, which is the best out of everybody. 11 touchdowns, 11 drops, which was a 5.1%. So he's... He, Chase Claypool in both of his seasons has had a higher drop percentage than Deion Johnson had this past season, according to pro football reference. Then we look, I I went to Juju next. You want to know why? Because he's next on the list when it comes to yardage, still ahead of James Washington. Juju um, this past year, of course, the playoffs did not count. Five games, 15 of 28, 129 yards, no touchdowns, no drops. 2020 played all 16 games 97 receptions on 128 targets 831 yards nine touchdowns three drops that's a 2.3 percent drop rate so in his 21 games he had 112 receptions on 156 targets 960 yards uh that's 6.15 yards per target um nine touchdowns three drops that's a 1.9 percent drop percentage he has the lowest of them all so i 'm already telling you now juju Best when it comes to drop percentage. James Washington, in this past season, 15 games, 24 of 44, 285 yards, two touchdowns, two drops. That's a 4.5% drop rate. So although he only had two drops to Deontay Johnson's five, he had a higher percentage. He was 50% higher because of the number of times he was targeted. It was so, so, so much less, almost four times less. So in, and in 2020, in 16 games, James Washington was uh, f- uh, 30 receptions on 56 targets, 392 yards, five touchdowns, four drops. That was a 7.1%. So when you look at James Washington's 31 games, hmm, interesting number, 31. Same as Deontay Johnson, same as Chase Claypool. He was, he he caught 54 of 100 balls. So that right there tells you a 54% catch catch rate. Um 677 yards, that means that's 6.77 yards per target. Seven touchdowns, six drops, that's 6%. He has a higher drop percentage over the last two years than Deontay Johnson. He has a higher drop percentage over the last two years than Deontay Johnson. So remember that. And then just to throw in Ray Ray's numbers, uh, this past year in his 16 games, he was 39 to 66, 277 yards, no touchdown, six drops. That was a 9.1%. He, he was the big one. Ray Ray was. um, In... In uh, 2020 he played all sixteen games, but he was only twenty of twenty two only had twenty incomplet or two incompletions when he was targeted seventy seven yards yeah twenty receptions in seventy seven yards I should tell you what they were how they were using them no touchdowns, no drops but when you look at his overall drop percentage it's at six point eight so if you want to look at drop percentage over the last two seasons, the highest is Ray Ray mcLeod at six point eight the next highest is James Washington at 6%. Then it goes Deontay Johnson at 5.8%. Then Chase Claypool at 5.1%. And then Juju Smith-Schuster at 1.9%. There you go. So Juju is the best at not dropping the ball. Now, if you look at, let's throw out Juju's 2021 because he didn't have any drops, but he also only played in five games. So we're just going to throw it out just just. Because it's it's a zero data point. If you want to look at it, Deontay Johnson's drop percentage in this past season was better than both of Chase Claypool's, both of James Washington's, and Ray-Ray McLeod's. The only person who has a higher drop, or sorry, a better drop percentage, not a higher number because you want a lower number, is Juju Smith-Schuster. So Deontay Johnson's 2021, where we said, oh, we had all these drop problems again. They just, we just remember him because he, he saved them all for the very end. He saved so many of them for the very end of the season. So that's what we have to remember. So when you want to know about which receivers, if you want to look at it from a ball security, not this isn't fumbling because I didn't even, I didn't even dive into those numbers because it was going to be so much more. But if you want to talk about catching the ball and not being considered a drop, Uh, the Steelers are wise to hold on to Deontay Johnson. He's totally way up there in yardage. He's over 2,000 yards in two seasons. Way up there in touchdowns at 15. And he's not only that, it's the fact that he's consistent with the touchdowns. Eight this year, seven last year. Okay. Claypool had 11, but he had two this year, nine the year before. Same with Juju, it's zero and nine. Okay. So to me, Deontay Johnson uh, is actually you're a more reliable receiver. Now, whether or not that means he's going to get a new deal this year or he's going to have to play out the last year of his rookie deal remains to be seen. But I would not be trading him. Why? I mean, he is by almost, I would say, by far, the most solid wide receiver that the Steelers have. Um, also, then, when you look at non-number things, like the routes that he runs, his separation, things like the, of that nature, uh, the biggest knock on James Washington, yes, he'll go up and high point the ball and do a nice job with that. But he also doesn't run the run as good of routes as Deontay Johnson is what he's been known for. So to me, if you're only going to keep three wide receivers out of the five that they've had the last two years, I'm going with Deontay Johnson because he's already under contract. I'm going with Chase Claypool because he's still under contract as well. And I'm going to Juju smith um, he's, he's And he's their best blocker, but that's a whole different story. Uh, But he's the most reliable when it comes to catching the football. So to me, that's who I would stay with if you could only keep three of the five. I would work to sign Juju. But the the only question is whether or not they want to extend uh, Deontay Johnson or try to wait to do that next year. So that is that question. With that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. And when we come back, I've got two smaller questions to answer. So stick around. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Let's just roll with these numbers. Let's dive into these questions and see how geeky we can get. Uh, Once again, got to thank my Nerds of Steel for coming through. Um, Speaking of Nerds of Steel, this one actually used the hashtag Nerds of Steel, so I got to make sure I do this one. Uh, This is from Brittany Shaw, which is at Brittany underscore Shaw underscore. Got to throw in that extra underscore at the end. Um, Reached out to me on Twitter and says, STLR Superfan Dad, with the Bungles being in the Super Bowl, Gross. I was wondering how the Steelers fared the next season against the division opponent that either made an appearance in the conference championship or the Super Bowl. Hashtag Nerds of Steel. All right, Brittany, I can do that one. But here's the thing that I did. I only went back to the history of the AFC North. AFC North came around in 2002 when they redid the divisions. So that's all the further I went back. So this isn't going to take a long time. That's why I'm trying to squeeze in three questions. And not only that, there's only one team to look at because we obviously don't know how the Steelers are going to do next year up against the Bengals, who reached the Super Bowl this year, who obviously played in the AFC Championship game. So I just went back, said AFC North teams, making the AFC Championship game, and do it by year. Well, obviously, who shows up the most? That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've got five. Okay. then. The only other team that's there, of course, you know, the Browns haven't been there. The Bengals finally got there because we knew until this year they hadn't won a a playoff game since, was it the 91 season? I think it was January 92. So all there was, was the purple team down east, the the Ratbirds, we'll we'll say the Ravens. Oh well, Um, And there was three times they reached the AFC Championship game. So then the question is, how did the Steelers do against them the next season? So uh, first off, the the Baltimore Ravens lost the 2008 AFC Championship game. The next season, the Steelers didn't play them until week 12. They played them in Baltimore in week 12, and they lost 20 to 17 in overtime. All right. So a three-point loss in overtime. Also should be noted Dennis Dixon was the quarterback for that game, not Ben Roethlisberger. So they lost in Baltimore in overtime by three the season after the Ravens made the AFC championship game. Then four weeks later, in week 16, they played the Ravens at home and they beat them 23 to 20. So there they were that season, one and one. Now, but you probably say, wait a second, 2008, what did you, yeah, I did, not I waited till the end to mention this. Steelers were a pretty good team there because who did the Ravens lose to in the AFC Championship game? Oh, that's right. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers where they played each other in the AFC Championship game. The Steelers went on, won the Super Bowl. So, yes, they were playing the Ravens who made it to the AFC Championship game, but they themselves were a team that had made the Super Bowl. Didn't make the playoff set next year, but but they did split with the Ravens, and their loss was in Baltimore in overtime with a backup quarterback. So let's moving on. Let's go. 2011, the Ravens once again played in the AFC championship game and they lost to New England. Um, they lost that game by three points. Um, oh, just so you know, when um, the Steelers beat the the Ravens um, by nine points in that AFC championship game, just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, mm-hmm. Got to reminisce on that one anytime I can. So in 2012, so this is the 2012 season, the season after the Steelers um, – or after after the Ravens made the AFC Championship game and lost, they the first time they played was at home in Week Eleven, and the Steelers lost to the lost to the Ravens at Heinz Field, thirteen to ten. But once again, it wasn't Ben Roethlisberger; that was Byron Leftwich. So Leftwich w- lost that game, thirteen to ten. Well, not he didn't lose it, but he was the quarterback in that game. They lost thirteen to ten. Two weeks later, Week Thirteen. They're in Baltimore. What did the Steelers do? They beat the Ravens 23 to 20. Once again, it wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. This one was Charlie Batch. So that's the third different quarterback there that, that you have that, that was playing Well, technically fourth because the one was Ben Roethlisberger. Four games, four different quarterbacks. So that's kind of fun. Um, the Steelers won 23 to 20. Have you noticed a trend here? Every single one of these games was a three point game. Every one of them. So, after they after the Ravens made the AFC Championship in 2008, Steelers went 1-on-1 against them the next season. 2011, Steelers went 1-on-1 against them. Then you have 2012, because Baltimore went back to the AFC Championship 2012, won the game, and went on to win, but let's not talk about that. So in 2013, the Steelers they started 0 and four. Man, they started 0 and four, and then they had to. They finally got a win under their belt. Then they had to host Baltimore in Week Seven. You know, they started 0 and four, had a Week Five bye. They won in Week Six. Week Seven, I'm trying to remember who did they beat in Week Six. I don't remember. I don't remember that one. Um, I remember, but I don't. And I'm not going to take the time. We, we got to keep moving. So they played them in Week Seven at home. And they won with Ben Roethlisberger 19-16. to What do you know? Another three-point game. The year after the, the, the Ravens, in this, cha- in this case, won the Super Bowl. Uh, the Steelers beat them at home in Week 7. Now, notice all – that's the earliest they played. That's the earliest that the Steelers played an AFC North opponent who made the AFC Championship game the year before, it was Week 7. So it's going to be interesting to see how early they play the Bengals next year. And then to finish out the question, um, in week 13, they were in Baltimore. That was on Thanksgiving, and the Steelers lost that game 22-20. Oh, they broke the trend. It wasn't a three-point game. It was a two-point game. And if you remember, with just over a minute left, the Steelers scored. They went for two. They didn't get it. They had to go for the onside kick, and they didn't get that either. So if they, you know, if they they would have made made the two point conversion, we probably would have been talking about another three point game. But once again, they went one and one. So the answer is of all the data that we have since the beginning of the AFC North, when another division team makes the AFC championship game, the Steelers split with them the next year. And it's not even necessarily uh, always home and always away. It was mixed up. But out of all those six games, um, only three of them did the Steelers have their starting quarterback in the game. Um, three of them, it was a backup quarterback. So those are just good things to know. Um, we've got a few minutes here. So I want to do one last semi-question. I want to answer this a little bit. Go back to Jim Ski, who uh, did the first question about the wide receivers. This is how we started off. He said, Dave, does the Steelers, do the Steelers save any money or still have to pay Ben Roethlisberger now that he is retired? All right. This is something that we, we we want to put out there and make sure people understand these things because there's there's a there's a bit of confusion when it comes to when we talk about dead money, that the Steelers, oh, they have dead money. Oh, Ben Roethlisberger is still going to count 10.34. I'm pretty sure that's the number. Is it 10.34 um, against the salary cap? Of, yeah, 10.34 million against the salary cap this year. Oh, the Steelers still have to pay him. No. They aren't paying Ben a penny. They've already paid him. It's all about how you manipulate contracts. Okay. Uh, and the way that, that this works is what it is, is there there's certain ways to manipulate the salary cap in order to have not all the money you pay someone count right now. For example, let's look at TJ Watt and he signed his, his, he got his deal last year. And what's crazy is he was going to be due just over 10 million dollars on his on his fifth year option last year. Um when the Steelers signed him to the huge deal that he got, his cap number actually was lower lower last year than it would have been if he would have just played on his on his fifth year deal. Um because of the way it works. And what happens is you have some some places do more fancy, more other things. Um, I'm not going to get into the guaranteed money. That just means that hey, no matter what, you're going to get paid. They, they, it's the wording in there that says your base salary, you're going to get it paid no matter what. For example, TJ Watt. His $24 million base salary this year is guaranteed. If the Steelers don't want his cap number to be too high this year, they could choose to give him that as a signing bonus. But we'll, I'll get to that in just a second. So when he signs his deal, you've got the signing bonus. Okay. Uh, TJ Watt's signing bonus was, was more than uh, $35.5 million. But what, what that does is you take that signing bonus – and you pay that all to him right there. So TJ Wacob paid roughly 35 point, almost $35.6 million in his signing bonus when he signed his deal. He was paid that money and he had a base salary of a thousand or sorry, a million dollars that was split up over for his game checks. His game checks were, were nothing. What he got was the big check up front, that 36.5 million. But that didn't all count against the salary cap. You take that money and- and you divide it up into the number of years left on the contract for up to five years. If someone f- signs a huge deal like Patrick Mahomes, that was a, for a lot more years, you can only divide that money up over the first five years. So you divide that up, and that's why. T- and, w- and when you when you divided up his what he had, his bonus, uh, his his signing bonus, ended up counting seven point one one eight six nine four according to OverTheCap.com. dot com. That's how much it counted every season over five years, except for the last one. There was an extra dollar thrown in um, to make to make the the numbers work out right. So that and his base salary was his cap number for for this year. So now for this past year, now for twenty twenty two, when he's going to be paid twenty four million dollars, that's how much he'll be paid. But he'll actually count more against the salary cap. He'll count over thirty one million dollars because that bonus that got split up over those years. So if we go back and look at somebody like Ben Roethlisberger and what happened there, um, that was the first time the Steelers ever used void years. And all a void year does is they don't give you a salary for that year, but it's fake years added to your contract so you can divide up that signing bonus even more. So, for example, what the Steelers did was they ended up giving Ben Roethlisberger, um, they gave him everything that they had owed him, and he had a a huge, what was it like, more more than $22 million that was rolling into this past year that was all dead money. And what I mean by when they say dead money, that means that the player's already been paid that money. It just hasn't counted yet against the salary cap. So he had all that dead money last year. So Ben Roethlisberger's cap number of just under $26 million, 22 and a half of that was dead money. He'd already been paid. Ben Roethlisberger only got paid, um, just over a million dollars in base salary. And then it was, and then it was like $12 million. Oh no, sorry, about $13 million, maybe 13 and a half, um, that they used as a signing bonus and then spread out over that last year and four, four more fake years. Now they throw in those fake years now, which made it low for last year. But now all of that comes crashing back that the Steelers have to pay, not pay, but the Steelers have to account on the salary cap this year with Ben retiring. Uh, So he's got $10.34 million. He's already paid it. They don't have to write him a check. It's just money he's already collected that hasn't counted towards the salary cap yet. Players care about how much money they get. Fans and the front office they care about how much it counts towards the cap. That's just kind of how it works. If you want to look at another one, you could look at something like with with David DeCastro, um, that he ended up you know being released by the Steelers. He counted dead money last year as five. Just over five and a half million dollars. The Steelers weren't paying David DeCastro; they weren't paying him a dime. But he counted that match money because they'd already paid it to him up front, and it just hadn't counted towards the salary cap yet. So I hope that un- hope that makes some sense. That when you hear the term "dead money" or that oh, the Steelers still have Brett Rolfesberger for blah blah blah, they don't. It's not like Bobby Bonilla. In Major League Baseball, where he still gets a check every year, that's not how it works. They've Ben Roethlisberger has made every penny from the Pittsburgh Steelers that he's going to get. The ten point three four million dollars that's left behind, they already paid him. They just hadn't. They moved stuff around with the salary cap that it didn't count yet. Now it's got to count. So now that money gets counted this year. Then after this year, there'll be nothing with Ben Roethlisberger uh, left on the books. I know some people are like, oh, but if he waited until July 1st, that $10.34 million was bo- going to be coming due next week. The way these void years work, they, they would have had to sign a new deal with Ben Roethlisberger before, I think it's usually like the Tuesday or Wednesday after the Super Bowl, um, before these void years kick in. Um, and people are like if you would have waited, no, it would have kicked in ten point three four million dollars next week. The only way the Steelers could have pushed it out and spread it out over more than one year, he would have had to sign a new deal and then wait until July 1st to, re- to retire, which didn't really make sense. So those are the numbers, those are the questions. I really appreciate them. And um, I'm I-, I was really bummed to not do a show for you all last week. I hope you understand. I just couldn't really pull it together enough. Um, with everything with my family, in order to do it, uh, didn't want to give you something that really wasn't going to um, be the 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 best product that we could that, that we could have because my mind was just going to be with well, with my wife and my kids and everything going on there. So thank you for being patient with me. I, I'm really glad to get back to to some normalcy here. Um, I can't wait to do more of these shows. Really can't. Uh, love doing the numbers for you. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. If you're someone who's still watches the Super Bowl, I am. Uh, it doesn't matter who's playing. I'm always going to enjoy it every time. And we'll be back next Thursday to talk some more numbers. So uh, thanks for listening. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out. With me. We'll see you next time.